On today's Footy Weekly Podcast, Liverpool leave it late at Wolverhampton. City squeaked by Sheffield. There was a classic at Stamford Bridge. And United continue to struggle. No surprise there. I'm your host and copite, Andrew Scanlon, and I am joined by my brother and fellow Liverpool supporter, Stephen Scanlon. How's the week been, Stephen? Hey, a good, good week uh, to be a Liverpool fan. Uh, really tough game against Wolves. Awesome game to watch. Really good back and forth. And a lot of great results around the league. So, exciting week with an even bigger week coming up. Huge, huge week coming up. Um, Paul and Shane are off tonight. But I just want to start tonight's episode by saying and paying my respects to the late Kobe Bryant. Uh, this guy was a huge, huge uh, football fan. Grew up in Italy, loved AC Milan, showed his support for the Galaxy, was a big fan of all the players. Uh, I know Neymar scored the other day, and he gave a nice little celebration in honor of Kobe. So uh, this not just basketball world that was rocked. It was, it was this entire sports world. So do, do rest in peace to him and his daughter, Gigi. Um, but on today's show, we, we do have a, a lot to cover here. And as usual, we're going to start with league leaders, Liverpool. They were away to Wolverhampton Wanderers. This was a crazy, crazy game. We saw goals from Henderson. Uh, Raul Jimenez tied it up. And then Bobby Firmino came in with the late goal. This was a great game to watch. It was a real back and forth, a lot of quality on both sides. And, and Wolves really pushed Liverpool here. And they one of their strategies that I saw was they really wanted to attack that high line of Liverpool. And that's exactly what they did. Yep, You saw a lot of balls to Triori, who just absolutely dominated Andy Robertson. Um, I think Robertson was one of those guys who definitely needs uh, needs this break uh, mm-hmm. coming up in, in February. But, again, Liverpool escape with a win. Steven, um, what are your thoughts on this one? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think you said it really well. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me, especially as a Liverpool fan, was, again, I think it was like the third game in a row now. Robertson really just did not show up. Uh, Traore absolutely was dominating him, like you said. And I think it's really just a sh- for him, it, he's getting tired legs at this point. You know, left back is the one spot where we really don't have any depth. And especially with Milner out, we, there's really nobody that we can put into that spot. And that's where we go with Lurushi or one of our young guys to go into that. So we're really like leaning heavily on him right now. And I think especially getting through December and now at this very end of it, you know, right before this break that we get, he is just, he's just wiped out, man. And he, he, he just needs that break. But, you know, going back to the game as a whole, you know, going into it, I even mentioned on last week's episode that I thought this game was going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised if they tied. I, I did take the two to one scoreline with Liverpool leaving it late. Um, you you gotta take your you know take your hats off and applaud Wolves because that second half they were the better team in that second half. You know they were running all, all around us. Traore was dominating. Jimenez was being super creative in the midfield, and uh, you know luckily we found we found a way with uh, a stroke of genius from Firmino and, and, and Gang. But um, overall, super super tough game. Uh, really happy to get to three points at Wolves, but a lot of respect to them. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree. I mean it was it was. I was questioning how Nuno, um, the Wolverhampton coach, was going to approach this game. Um, you've seen a lot of different teams line up against Liverpool in different ways. And he kind of caught me by surprise by attacking Andy Robertson and attacking that, that high line that Liverpool likes to play. Um, when you have the speed that they have, um, I know Neto came in 
um, in this game. You got you got to you got to start and try on the other on the other wing, and that is just absolute pace. I don't think Trent really had that great of a game either, to be honest. But Robertson stood out for me as someone who was really poor. But I mean, he had his hands full all game, all match against Traore. And he's not the only one that has suffered uh, at the hands of this guy. I mean, he, if he doesn't stay at Wolves this year or next year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere with, you know, big pockets, um, maybe one of Europe, Europe's elite. I'm not going to say maybe Real Madrid, but, you know, mm-hmm. one of, you know, maybe, maybe a big team in Italy or something like that. He, he just has a special talent. Um, and if Wolves don't make Europe, I don't know if they'll be able to keep him. But, um, I mean, do you think that they can challenge for top four in this one? It's going to be tough, um, especially because I think they are, they are poised to make a, a pretty good run in the Europa League. Um, I, I think they're good enough to, to win a few games and win a couple of rounds in that. So I think that's going to be the, really the deciding factor in how far they can go. Because, like, look at Leicester, for example. I know we're going to get into it, but, um, you know, I think – that they're starting to get a little bit tired and look at, we talk about their depth all the time and their lack of it. It's the yeah. same thing with wolves. You know, they really only have a couple of guys that they can bring off of, bring off the bench and really stay competitive. So for me, it's just the matter of games. I think they can, they definitely have enough talent in the starting lineup, but is the, especially later on in the season, is that high number of games going to start catching up to them? Yeah. And they're in Europa. I don't know who they play in the round of 16, but I'm assuming it'll involve, some travel, you know, um, which I'm sure they're not really used to. Um, I mean, obviously this season they've, they've played in Europa and they probably had to go to Eastern Europe. But, um, you know, this late in the season when your legs are tired and you're traveling around Europe for, for matches home and away, it's just it'll definitely be tough for these guys. But another thing that I've noticed on Twitter after this game was a lot of fans, a lot of Liverpool fans especially, were really hard on Salah after this one. Um the biggest concern was that, you know, he, he seems very selfish on the ball, doesn't like to pass. He's always keeps his head down. He just wants to dribble, dribble, dribble and shoot. Um, I think it was last game or maybe it was even this game. I think it was last game. Um, we saw him just completely avoid Sadio Mane a couple of times and even um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. He was wide open on the left post and Salah decided to take a, a tough and difficult shot instead of passing it to Ox. But I mean, I mean, do you have any issues with this? Not really. I mean, it's 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 frustrating in the moment when you see it because I mean, from the view that we have on the telly, you know, it's it's clear that the pass was there and he should have made the pass. So, you know, as a fan, it is frustrating watching it. But when you actually think about it, like this is what makes Mo like one of the best players in the world. Like, like you can't be one of the best players in the world and not have some selfish tendencies to your game. Um, so, like, you, you have to take the good and the bad with Mo. Like, you know, we wouldn't have scored that late goal if he wasn't selfish and make a couple fancy moves. Like, he, he made that one guy. Like, that goal wouldn't have happened. I know Henderson made the pass there to Firmino, but that doesn't happen unless Mo makes that play. So, yeah, exactly. He's drawing, I think, two or three defenders on him. Yeah, he got the nutmeg. That was really nice. And he did keep his head down, but he got a, he got a little fortunate by allowing the ball to go to Henderson, who played the ball to Firmino. But because of that, Firmino had a much bigger opening in that defense, and he was able to get the shot off. So yeah. you got to tip your hat to Mo. I mean, he, he did help create that play. And if I'm a Liverpool supporter, even a football supporter in general, I want my striker – I know Mo's not really a striker, but I want my goal scorer to be extremely selfish. 
like you said, there are going to be times when we're going to be extremely frustrated when he has a wide open net or I'm sorry, a wide open um, teammate, but I want him taking the shot. He's the best goal scorer on the team. I want Mo taking the shot. No, I agree. And, you know, pretty much ever since we played Burnley earlier in the season and Sadio freaked out at him, like these last like two and a half, three months since then has been the most passive I've ever seen Salah in a Reds uniform. So like, mm-hmm. I think I think people need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Like I haven't seen Salah pass like the last few games. I haven't seen him pass like he like like this really ever in a Liverpool shirt. So like I think we just, everyone just needs to take a step back who was freaking out. I think it's more of a I don't think that is reflective on everybody that's a Liverpool fan, but I think it was more no, also just like yeah. in the moment, you know, in the moment, it was really frustra- frustrating, especially with the scoreline being what it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, another notable to make here, we did lose the boy, Sadio Yamane. He had a, a little a bit of a hamstring tweak, it sounds like, and he's going to miss West Ham and Southampton. Are you, uh, are you worried that he's going to be missing out on those games? I mean, it's never good when you hear hamstring and slight tear, right? Like, that's never a good thing, especially for the rest of the season happening. Um, honestly, I'm not really concerned about these next couple games, especially because, you know, after we play West Ham and Southampton, you know, Klopp already said they're not going to play against Shrewsbury, and then you ha- we have a couple weeks off at that point. So, really, the injury is coming at the perfect time. Um, and it also gives us some opportunities to, you know, play some other guys. You know, Divock Origi, he didn't look too great um, against Shrewsbury, um, but maybe he could, you know, do with another game with the starters or maybe a guy like Shakiri gets in there. So, you know, some other guys can get some valuable time there. Um, you know, we definitely shouldn't overlook Southampton, but I, especially with the break coming up, I think it's coming at the perfect time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think obviously anytime Sadio Mane is not in the lineup, it's definitely a miss just because his offensive capabilities are bar none. And I think he's one of the best defensive wingers in the league, if not the world. Um, so that'll definitely be a big miss. But luckily, we like you said, we are playing West Ham and Southampton in those matches. Um, not to take those teams lightly, obviously, and you know, all my respects to them. But uh, we should win those games, I would think. But um, no, I mean that, that's. It, I was definitely concerned when I saw him pull up, and he knew right away. He just he just walked off the field, and right. um, he had a little somber tone. But um, no, I think I think he recovers quickly. He, I think he's always kind of recovered quickly. He has some ankle issues um, and some other issues as well. But he's always kind of bounced back really well. So I mean, we have the best physios in the business. So uh, I'm confident these guys will get it right for sure, for sure. But then. Some other stuff that was coming up after the game, too, was – and I was a little bit surprised about this. The people kind of giving Henderson a shout-out for player of the year. And personally, I, I don't – I think he's having a hell of a season. I don't think he's player of the year status. I mean, I like right off the top of my head, I would look at guys like Mane, Kevin De Bruyne, even Van Dyke still, you know, over, over Henderson. But, I mean, what were your thoughts on kind of seeing that on football Twitter? I love seeing it, dude. <laughs> I, I'm a huge <laughs> Henderson guy. I, I, dude, I've been back in Henderson – ever since Gerard left. I mean, a lot of people were giving him a lot, a lot of shit. Once Klopp came in, they said, you know, he's always passing the ball backwards. He's always passing the ball sideways. You know, he can't make that killer pass. doesn't score. It's like, this is Klopp's system. He's doing exactly what Klopp wants him to do. And now that you see Fabinho in there, he's being lauded as this great center defensive midfield, which he is. He's unbelievable. But he's actually doing exactly what Hendo was doing for the most part. Right. So, no, I'm glad that he's getting shouts for that. 
Um, is he player of the year? I don't think so. I think he's maybe he might make like team of the season or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think De Bruyne's probably having the best season so far. I put Van Dyke in there. I mm-hmm. put Sadio Mane in there. But I, you know what I would do? I would give Henderson player of the year for Liverpool, especially if we mm-hmm. win the title because he mm-hmm. has really pushed us over the line in a lot of different games. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean that, that header against Wolves was a, was an example right there. You know, yeah. you got that you got that early goal. I think it was the twelfth minute or something, fourteenth minute. Mm-hmm. But um, no, he's he's a big part of this squad, so I would love to have him get it for the for the Reds. Yeah, no, I I kind of agree with that. And before we move on to the City game, um, what do you think about Treori though? Because like there's kind of been talks about a potential transfer with him. Like, what do you see his value at? Because I'm kind of seeing seventy five million dollars potentially or a million pounds. I think that's a little bit high, um, but I mean, yeah. What do you think on that? Uh, that's tough. He, I think it's way too high to be honest. I mean, he's had a great season for sure. I mean, maybe with a different team, he has better output. Um, but I don't know. Maybe fifty million. I, I don't know. It's tough in this in this transfer market nowadays because you really have no idea what people are going to price their players at. I mean, I think Wolves want to keep him. And if they – I don't know what his contract situation looks like either, but if they make Europe or, dare I say, Champions League, then they'll definitely want to keep him. So that I think that asking price would be super, super high, maybe like $80 million if if that's the case. So I don't know. I really – I think it really depends. If they if they land in seventh or eighth and, you know, they're not getting Champions League qualification or Europa League qualification or anything like that, I think he could go for, you know, a fee like 50 or – I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe even 60. Yeah. I mean, I see like, cause, cause I look at it though. And it's like, you know, there's a rumor of Bruno Fernandez to United for, for 60 million. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't think Treori's worth 60 or 75 million, but I would, if I'm a, a premier league team, especially I'd rather pay the 60 million for a guy like Treori who's done it on a, not as good team in the premier league than a guy who's, you know, his best season came in the Portuguese league. Yeah, no, exactly. So you know what I mean. So he's I don't proven know. he's proven here, so he can basically do it anywhere. Yeah, and uh, I, I I completely agree with that. So yeah, and he's fucking massive, <laughs> dude. I just don't get it, man. Like he's like his upper body is so thick, and I like, I know his his legs are thick too, but a guy should not be able to move that fast, man. Like he's, it is absolutely crazy. The guy must be like two percent body fat, and. Jeez, man, I feel bad. For there was girl. one play I actually freaked out. I think it was a 50-50 ball between Triori and Van Dyke. Just like an unstoppable train, or unstoppable object against an immovable object or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely bodied Van Dyke. Van Dyke took it to the ribs, and you could tell he was really, really hurting. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, don't be broken ribs. Don't be broken ribs. <laughs> Just like freaking out. Oh, yeah. Dude. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah, luckily. I mean, he's played with broken ribs before, but yeah. luckily it wasn't anything too serious, but... Let's move on to Sheffield at home to City. Uh, City squeaked by with this one, as I said earlier, one nothing goal to Cunaguero came on late and got the goal for him. Um, I think this is a typical game against Sheffield. You know, they're tough to break down. They have quality on the on the ball. It's a very formidable ground. I mean, I don't think City, uh, this City squad had ever, or even Pep had ever even been to Sheffield. I think Cunaguero had never been to Sheffield. He's been at City for a while. But they still dominated possession. They had 67% possession. They had 18 shots, five of which were on target, and they had 13 corners. But it took that late Aguero substitute to get the, to get the win. 
Um, it was it was an unbelievable ball again from I think Player of the Year Kevin De Bruyne again, and Aguero just had to tap the ball in, but still unbelievable. But one thing I noticed in this game, City looked way more comfortable at the back with Laporte. Yep, yep, they looked really good back there. Interesting lineup they went with. They went three in the back with Otamendi and Fernandinho still back there. I thought Otamendi looked pretty solid too. I mean, two games in a row, he he's kind of showed up for them. And we talked about, hey, City can always go on a run. And I think now is going to be the time with having numerous options in the back. Now have, you know, Laporte's healthy, Otamendi's healthy, Stones is healthy, still Fernandinho. So they pretty much have all the pieces they could they could want now. So keep an eye out for them because they can make a move. And again, yeah, the guys showed up today. Sheffield was a very, very you know, tough place to play. Um, yeah, they did dominate possession, but. Again, this is this is one of those games where if City kind of dropped the ball for two minutes, Sheffield could have countered and, and got a goal. You know, we've seen that. We've seen Newcastle do it to Chelsea. You know, that can happen easily. So credit to City for, you know, staying in the game the entire game and not getting frustrated. Yeah, I was I was surprised that they actually pulled this one out. I mean, when Aguero came on, I was like, okay, it might it might happen, but um, this is a game. I, I thought it was a trap game for them. You know, going to a difficult ground, playing against a team with a low block, but you know, quality on the counter. Um, so I, I was a little surprised that that Pep went with a three-four-two-one. When I was watching it, I, I was texting Shane, or maybe we were we were texting the group, and um, we were saying how City just weren't dominating the midfield at all. I think they just had Gundogan, Gundogan in there and Rodri, if I'm not mistaken. But something that you notice with Pep's teams that the fullbacks try to move into the midfield. So it was interesting that they still weren't really dominating possession in the center of the park for portions of the game, which is what City usually um, are so good at, you know? No, absolutely, because like we talk about the numbers thing all the time too, um, especially in the, uh, the center midfield. If you win the numbers, you're usually going to win the midfield. I mean, so Sheffield had three, you know. Um, but then when you looked at when you looked at uh, City's lineup, it was just interesting because the four people in the midfield, two of them were outside backs with Kyle Walker and uh, Zinchenko. Yeah. And then yeah, they uh, then you had KDB in there, and then they had the other guy in there was Hernandez. You know what I mean? So they really didn't like the only two options they had. Yeah, it was K- uh, KDB, but wasn't a ton of creativity in there for only having two guys in there. Yeah, so, and KDB wasn't really in the midfield. He was more up in the attack. Right. You know? So that, I just felt like they were getting dominated constantly in, in that center of the park. No, and I, I agree. And I, I thought it was an interesting tactic, um, especially when you're playing a team like Sheffield. Like I, I thought they would want to have a little bit more creativity in there. Yeah, no, I thought that it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting move by Pep, one that I didn't expect him to make in this game. But, um, you know, he's... Uh, his back's against the rope in this one. He, I don't think he has uh, – I don't think he – I think he knows that he's not going to catch Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, he's just trying, you know, different formations, maybe resting certain players, getting players back in. You know, Zinchenko hadn't played in a while. Um, you know, trying to get people touches on the ball. Laporte's back. So, trying different things out, especially against a counterattacking team like like Sheffield. And uh, ultimately, he was, he was successful. Yeah. No, exactly. So, it's going to be interesting to see what how this top – you know, six, you know, these are uh, top five or so the European spots, how it's going to shake out because Sheffield and Wolves aren't going away anytime soon. I mean, you have, you have United with 34 points in fifth, Tottenham with 34 points, Sh- Wolves and Sheffield, uh, Wolves have 34, Sheffield have 33. 
even though Southampton's at 31. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting um, to see if these lower teams like Wolves and Sheffield and Southampton, if with their lack of depth, if they can keep up with these uh, bigger dogs. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if they get out of the cup competitions, which I think they have, I think, um, I mean, they're obviously out of the Carabao Cup. A uh, team like Sheffield doesn't have Europe. So, you know, end of the season, you're playing, you know, once a week. That gives you a lot of rest, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to the other teams in the top six that are constantly playing week in, week out, multiple times a week. Um, they might be able to go on a little run as well. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. It's going to be an interesting uh, second half of the year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's cover Leicester real quick against West Ham. Uh, Leicester went home. They won 4-1. to one. We saw goals from Barnes, Pereira, and two from Ayotte Perez. Mark Noble had a penalty kick goal as well to get that uh, clean sheet away from Leicester. Obviously, Leicester dominated, dominated this game as we predicted. Um, they now trail City by three points. It was good to see them back-to-back, uh, bounce back after two back-to-back losses. Um, one thing I, we did notice in this game, though, is that Jamie Vardy did walk off injured in the 43rd minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, you know, with Vardy going out, we were obviously you're you're like, oh shit, Lester's out. They're probably going to lose this game or, or draw or you know drop points or whatever. But then you have Ianacho come up with two assists and Ayotte Perez with two goals. So maybe they can cope with Vardy, cope without Vardy. Yeah, but again, I I, I don't know if it's if he ever got hurt for like long term, they would be in trouble because I think, you know, guys like Ian Nacho and Perez, they, they can show up in a game or two, but I don't think they can come in and bring it game in and game out like Vardy can. And again, we talked about it, you know, talk about it all the time. Other than those two guys, Ian Nacho and Perez, they don't really have a ton of other options offensive offensively. Yeah. And now with Ndidi coming back from injury, that's going to be a nice addition for them. But Again, you know, if if Vardy goes down, he's the least. He's still the leading goal scorer in the league. I mean, that's a huge miss, no matter what team you are. So, that's going to be a really big thing for them. But but also, again, with with the games that they have coming up, you know, their lack of depth could really could really hurt them because their next three games are some of the biggest games of their uh, of their season. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we always talk about with them is lack of depth, and you know, they have Chelsea next, they have Wolves, and they have City. So. The, I think they actually can get a result at, uh, against Chelsea, but I think Wolves and City, they might drop points. So, I mean, the table could look a lot different in, you know, a couple of weeks. But um, but going back to Vardy, I think one of his – obviously, he's a great, great goal scorer, um, and, you know, he's just great with the ball. But one thing that uh, he does really, really well is he opens up so much space for those in behind him because mm-hmm. he's just constantly making runs, constantly putting the center backs on their heels – and, you know, that leaves perfect amounts of space for uh, James Madison or guys like that, Yotze Perez, to kind of drift in, find, find the pocket of space, and play the ball back to Vardy or play the ball out wide. So, I mean, the attack really opens up when he's on the pitch. When he's not on the pitch, they're very limited, like you said. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's gotten to the point now where we kind of know where Leicester is at this point. Um, and with those three games coming up, you know, if they don't get – you know, if they don't get like come away with at least six points in these next three games, uh, their top four spot could be um, really shaky. Yeah, I was actually surprised they didn't try to make any signings in January. You didn't really see them um, linked up with anybody for the most part. I mean, maybe they're trying to save some big business in the summer. 
Um, but I mean, I was a little surprised that Rogers didn't make a move. Maybe he tried, you never know, but, um, I think they definitely yeah. would have benefited from maybe another attacker coming in or another midfielder. Yeah. And another thing I've noticed too, with them is ever since they played city and Liverpool back to back and they allowed, you know, like seven goals in two games, you know, going into those games, they were the best defense in the premier league. Yep. And ever since then, they haven't really played great. Like Soyuncu wasn't isn't really playing like he was before um, before those games. You know, kind of the same thing with Johnny Evans. He, Johnny well Evans is the... finally showing his colors. Yeah, exactly. He's finally <laughs> showing his colors. He's the guy we thought he was. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about him for like a freaking decade. I was like, how's this guy still alive? <laughs> He's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? But I think, yeah, I think all these things now are starting to add up. The depth and the defense now kind of truly showing their colors and. And now knowing at the end of the season, they're probably not going to be able to hold on to Chilwell either. That's going to be a big, a big blow for them. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to take a really good coaching performance from Rogers to you know carry them on through the rest of the season. And that's going to, that's a big question mark for me. Yeah, one thing I would note is that I was we were watching the FA Cup game today, and Vardy did get subbed on. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't score, and they ended up losing to Aston Villa, but. That actually might be a blessing in disguise, knowing that you don't have another. Uh, actually, no, I'm sure they probably would have preferred doing it going against City in the uh, Carabao Cup final. But, um, I mean, less load for them, you know. Yeah, I know. And, um, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's like, damn, if we beat, you know, if we beat Villa, we'd be, we could be in the FA Cup final again. I mean, the Carabao Cup final against City. But, um, but yeah, I mean, losing to Villa, but that's really all Villa's got to play for at this point. It's like, God damn, can we please stay up? And then, wow, we actually have a shot of the trophy here. So, yeah, I imagine if they won. That'd be un- unbelievable. It would be awesome. It would be really freaking awesome, man. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. it be interesting. Well, let's get to our game of the week. Um, Chelsea at home to Arsenal. This was an absolute Oof. barn burner. What a game um, it was. 2-2 in this one, goals from Jorginho. He had a PK after David Luiz had a red card in the 26th <laughs> minute. Um, God, I hate that jump little skip he does in the PK. Oh, it's so fucking annoying. I can't oh, wait know, until right? somebody stops it. I cannot wait. Uh, other goals from Martinelli. He had a great counterattacking goal where N'Golo Conte had a great little slip there. I loved seeing that, trying to tackle <laughs> Martinelli and just giving it to the Chelsea supporters. and. Please believe if you if they do not make top four, I am going to spam the hell out of them. Oh yeah, they have no idea what's coming if they don't make top four. Oh yeah, um, get your get your blocks ready, Chelsea fans. Aspilicueta the had a goal and Hector Bell- Bellerin saved it late. I think it was like the 90th minute. Um, there was all the drama in this game. Obviously the Luis red card in the 26th minute, but. Arsenal for me showed character and they showed desire. <laughs> Yes, we know how much our friend uh, Carlito loves character. He loves <laughs> and, he, and he loves guys with heart. So shout out to you, Carl. Uh, but Steven, yeah, I mean, this, this game just shows that Chelsea lacks the ability to kill off a game. Yep. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's still the kind of a little bit of that immaturity and just uh, not having that discipline completely, completely there yet. But again, with a, with a young team like they have, you, you kind of have to expect that a little bit. Um, but you don't want to see that against your London rivals and Arsenal like that. That's not good. But, you know, the Jorginho PK, it's actually funny you said that because I just watched um, uh, Neymar do his PK where he, um, you know, he, he, you know, celebrated Kobe after or something. But 
he um dude, he he does the same thing. I'm like, how do they not call that? He literally comes to a complete stop halfway through. Really annoying. Um, but going back to this game, I thought Martinelli was probably the player of the game. That guy, that that kid, he looked unbelievable. Um, David Louise and <laughs> the David Louise Mustafi combo. I think dude, we all started texting in the group chat. The Arsenal, right? <laughs> Mustafi so, is just so bad. It's like it's yeah. not even funny anymore. He shouldn't. He couldn't be a starting center back for any other team in the Premier League. He's that bad. He's awful. He yeah. lacks the fundamental defensive quality. He can't. He can't do anything. He can't clear the ball. Can't defend one on one. His shape is so poor. It's like I, I just don't get how. It, I mean, obviously he had to start because I think Socrates was injured or, or something happened with Socrates that he mm-hmm. couldn't. He couldn't start or couldn't play. So. It's just, it's just unbelievable that he's still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just funny because then you have Louise. Like, he kind of leaves Louise out to dry. And, you know, you know could Louise defend that better for sure? You know, but I just thought it was funny. And I, I, you saw all the all the memes coming out of uh, Louise being an undercover spy for Chelsea and, like, you know, purposely throwing the game. So that yeah. was really funny. But honestly, I mean, for me, and we texted about it after the game, this game showed the U-turn that the Gunners have taken under Arteta, because if um, if uh, you know Emery, uh, uh, Dracula over there, yeah, Emery, if he's still the coach, they lose this game <laughs> four four nothing, five nothing. You know what I mean? Like that game's an absolute blowout. The guys give give up right away, but Arteta and credit to these guys, you know, they changed things up a little bit, got a little bit more compact, and then. Their possession, they they possessed with a purpose, and they got up and down the field pretty quickly. And then, obviously, with the <laughs> with the Conte slip, you know, every Liverpool fan loves that too. Love that. Yeah, I was gonna say in this game, if Emery was the coach, they would have lost like six nothing. I had been down. Like it would have been an absolute bloodbath. But for me, player the player the match for uh, for Arsenal was um, Granite Jaka. I thought mm. he when they were when they were at full strength, I thought he played really well in the midfield alongside Torreira. I think they have a really good understanding together, and they have um, they just really locked down that defensive aspect of the midfield. But then when Luis went out, Arteta was like, "You know what? You're going to center back." And I didn't really see him make many mistakes, to be honest, for someone who isn't a natural in that position. Yeah, no, and yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree. And we look at it from uh, also, you know, shout out to Hector Bellerin. He looked, he looked good coming back as well. Um, Captain in the side too. Yeah, dude, man. I mean, um, dude, Arsenal's a lot better than uh, they've been playing all season. It's like, it's really nice to see them kind of playing up to par now. But going over to Chelsea, yeah, uh, uh, dude, uh, you gotta treat this game as a loss, right? Dude, I mean, these guys. I'm sorry, these guys are just so lucky. I mean, we've given them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you know, it's great they have a young squad. They've been playing well in the beginning of the season. They haven't played well in 2020. All right. I mean, they've gotten so lucky. Every time they drop points, they get. They're very fortunate that they actually don't drop points because the rest of everyone the else does. Everybody else drops points as well. Yeah. So that, and I think that they just really can't rely on any part of this team. They can't rely on the manager to make the right substitutions. They can't rely on the te- the attack to score a goal when needed. And you're down uh, to te- the opposition's down to ten men, and they can't rely on the defense to keep the goals out of the net. And they can't rely on their goalkeeper. So it's like, Frank's got to figure it out. I mean, I've been hearing so much, so much shit about their $150 million war chest, their $200 million war chest that they're going to spend in January. I haven't seen shit. 
they're not having, they haven't bought anybody. I mean, maybe they're waiting for the big dog Sancho to come in. Um, I mean, th- th- they're an interest- interesting squad for sure. Very interesting squad. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in tackling something that you kind of mentioned a little bit is like, dude, their lineup is different every single week. Why man. isn't like Kovacic they, playing? Like, he did that, play in this game, but he was the first sub. Yeah. Why are you thinking I, about your best player? I, dude, I don't, I don't get it, dude. I don't get it at all. And then, like, they always like, – their, their front six is never the same. I mean, I, in all actuality, neither is the back line. But literally, their lineup is always different. And it's just like, dude, like, what is your identity? Like, can you tell me what the Chelsea identity is other than give the ball to Tammy and pray to God he fucking scores? Like, they don't really have one. Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about that last week a little bit with, with Carlito. It's just – it's strange. I mean, I think they try to play a 4-3-3 with attacking on the wings. But uh, with Reese James injured in this game, um, obviously you're – you're locking that, and Aspilicueta can't feel that can't can't feel his boots. Um, but yeah, I mean another another aspect for me is Conte in the middle. I think he gets a pass by a lot of Chelsea supporters because mm-hmm. he is he he is an unbelievable player. Don't get it. Don't you know? Let's not mix things up here. But um, I think Jorginho is playing his position. I yep. think that that's I think that's Conte's best position. Obviously, he can't spray the ball around or find feet as well as uh as Jorginho but if that's the case maybe you go to two center defensive mids a four mm-hmm. two three one or whatever it is um because he he just clearly lacks the the capability to be a number eight for this Chelsea squad he can't pass the ball very well he's not going to beat a defender one-on-one he's fucking tiny he's like what five five I yeah mean, he just can't he, he can win the ball He's a dog in there on the defensive side. He can run all day. Those are his qualities. You got to play to your player's strengths. And I don't think Frank's doing that at the moment. No, he's not. He he should be in that six role. Like, you know, like hey, Conte, we just want you to be 10 to 15 yards ahead of the center backs and then just run your butt off and intercept everything. That's what he should be doing. But, again, he's playing out of position. He's, at, he's being asked to do things that he really isn't comfortable doing, and you can tell. Um, and it's putting in, it's putting him and the team in bad shape. But uh, you know, going back to this game really quick, for me, it, it highlighted the importance of Reese James in this lineup too, because yeah. Reese James, again, we, you know, we always do the comparisons of Juan Bissaka and, and Trent. He's kind of the happy the happy medium between the two. And I think he's, saw, I think he's, I think he's better than Juan Bissaka. I think he's second best right back in the league. Yeah, no, I I. I actually uh, share that agreement. Um, I think he's, and I think he's probably going to be the right back of England in the future. And Trent's going to move into the midfield for England, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I think they need him in this lineup because he's starting to get a little bit creative with the with the crosses coming in, like Trent does, and then he's solid defensively. And you know, with as Bill Quarta getting older, you need a guy like Reese James in there on the wing. Yeah, no, I, I he's one of the players I really love in this squad. I mean, I, I like most of their players to be honest, but uh, except for Jorginho. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yep. you know, Reese, Reese James is, is a quality guy, quality player, and um, looking to looking to uh, watch him watch him grow as a player. So mm-hmm. um, let's move on from that game of the week and quickly cover Spurs Norwich. Uh, um, so I'm, I just don't get excited by Spurs at all. I mean, we had goals from Ali, we had Pookie, PK, Pookie, <laughs> and uh, Sung Hyung Min had a goal as well to cap it off. I mean. I, when I was watching this, Spurs were on the ropes pretty much the entire game. 
And what I love about this Norwich side, and I don't want to see them get relegated. We talk about this every week, but they play football. They don't just fucking pack it in. They play football, or they at least try to. So it'll it'll be tough to see them get relegated. But um, big news for Spurs, Erickson finally gets his move to Inter. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. We'll see if that helps with things around there because I'm kind of interested. This seems like a lot of those guys are kind of not completely strong mentally and they can get distracted easily. So let's see what happens now and see if things start to improve with that distraction being out of there. But um, it's always tough to lose a talent like that, man, because he, he's a premier league player, one of the better, you know, uh, you know, center midfielders in the league. And when you lose a creative player like that, it's, it's, it's also never easy. So, I mean, they're going to rely a lot on low Kelso, um, you know, kind of leaning on him going forward and see. If well, they didn't, they a, didn't they just give him a, didn't they just give him a five-year deal? Yep. Yeah they, made it, yeah, they made his, his transfer permanent and a five-year deal. Yep. Yeah, they got this kid, uh, Getson Fernandez. They just picked up somebody else as well in the transfer market. It was um, some guy from Holland. Crap, I forget his name. Yeah, he's the fo- he's a str- uh, striker, I think. It's yeah, like it starts uh, with a B. It's like Benjin mm-hmm. or something. But he he he's had a couple ca- a couple caps for 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 Holland, and that's a really good side. So I'm curious to see how he looks. When uh, he eventually gets a, gets some playing time, but no, I mean I, I agree. I think this might be the the best thing for Spurs going forward. I mean Erickson just didn't look himself at all this year, and sending him you know halfway across Europe to Italy to you know enjoy Inter Milan with the rest of the scrubs like Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez <laughs> and Ashley Young, like go over there to die, man. You know, let your career die. But uh, yeah, Lukaku's actually been doing pretty well. But yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. But. Um... But again, you know, I think also, you know, Loris is back in there. Um, yeah, that's I, huge. I had, that's I huge. Had no idea, I had no idea that he was he was coming back uh, this week. So He's I think that will help too. them too. Yeah, yeah that'll help them defensively too. Um, I think hopefully that'll you know help them stop some of those uh, kind of goals that they're well, that you, giving yeah, up. It's interesting you say that because you can see how like a positive and great defensive goalkeeper like uh, Allison is for Liverpool, how that solidified that back line along with Van Dyke. I'm curious to see if that helps out with Spurs. I mean, I thought that they were a great side last year, and obviously this year we saw Lloris go out injured. So I'm I'm curious to see how he affects that back line and affects the team going forward. Yeah, no, I, I, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be something to watch. And you know, shout out to Eric Dyer there too. Um, you know, he he stood up for Mourinho. Uh, he was asked about the negative atmosphere around the team since Mourinho took over. He like aggressively rejected that motion and was just like, that's not the case at all. Things are really great since Mourinho took over, blah, blah, blah. So shout out to him. Um, hopefully that will help. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, there was a little bust up with uh, uh, Danny Rose, but uh, other than that, no, I, I mean, I think they've reacted positively to having Mourinho as a manager, but that's neither here nor there, as they say. Um, no. United, at home to Burnley, <laughs> these, <laughs> these guys just suck, man. <laughs> They're so yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, two nothing to Burnley. Uh, goals from Chris Wood, who again scores after we shit on him like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, he must listen to the podcast. Oh, definitely uh, does. And Jay Rodriguez, he had a great goal actually. Um, oh, banger! Ollie's at the wheel, baby. Ollie's at the wheel. Uh, something yep. I found funny though is at, after his press conference in this game. Um, Ollie was comparing himself uh, to Jurgen Klopp. He said that you know Jurgen's had Jurgen's had four years at Liverpool, and he's just starting to get things going now. So United's not going to be a quick fix either. It's going to take time. Like give me time, basically pleading 
his the United Faithful for, for more time. Um, but one thing that's funny about that is I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp was in two cup finals in his first year. And his second year, he gets a Champions League uh, spot for Liverpool. Uh, third year, he's in the Champions League final. And fourth year, uh, and also third year, he's, uh, you know, going against City and, and for a title race. And fourth year, he, he wins the Champions League and almost beats City again. So, I mean, it's it's you can't compare the two managers it's it's yin and yang to be honest no no absolutely and it's just funny because he spends a lot of time talking about other coaches and other teams and uses that to talk about how united's great (laughs) he's done it to about city and like having them having them play their first team or whatever talks about Klopp all the time it's just, dude, it's just like, come on, man. Like, it, it's that bad that he can't even talk about his own team. He has to talk about other people's teams and how that has an impact on his team. It's just really stupid. But um, kind of going back to this game, though, um, again, you know, United did dominate the game. They had 75% or 73% uh, percent, uh, possession, um, 24 shots, only seven on target. So, um, they definitely created enough chances and they were at home. So there's really no excuse to drop that game. Yeah. I mean, it's funny though. Mo- most teams do dominate possession against Burnley. That's just, that's how, how they play. Play. that's how Burnley plays. They just let you have the ball and they just look to counter. Um, one thing I found interesting was that, uh, and I was very surprised about this one was that Burnley actually targeted Aaron Wambasaka. Um, one thing that Burnley's known for is their long balls, you know, just kick it up top and, let their let their forwards fight it out, and they chose to target Aaron Juan Basaka in the air, and they went to him about sixty percent of the time. And I don't know if I, I don't remember if any of the goals were directly related to that, but they definitely put pressure on Aaron Juan Basaka and on that back line, and ultimately it was uh, it was successful for him. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you look at it right, like he's really not that tall. And he is awful with his feet. So if you play a long ball over to his side and that ball takes one, like one bounce off the ground, you're going to be in good shape because he's either going to have to kick it out of bounds or you're going to get an interception. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't, I don't blame them for doing that. And then one thing I kind of noticed about Juan Basaka too, is that at times it almost seems like he purposely sets himself up. So he has to slide tackle the guy. Um, like I, I used to be a defender. You used to be a defender. It's like you know we understand kind of that kind of you know how to how to mark people, how to go into a tackle. Mm-hmm. But wa- watch how he plays sometimes because it almost looks like he he takes a st- like a like a half a step back almost just so he can slide in and, and and make that you know sexy looking slide tackle. And you know that's not something that's going to be something that's going to get him in, into trouble every now and again. But yeah, I thought that tactic was good because, again, when he gets the ball with his feet, he's not very good with it. Yeah, I don't think he's very good in the air either. And um, Lindelof's on that side as well, um, who I don't think is the best in the air either. And he's definitely not as good as Harry Maguire. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't think Aaron Wabasaka has really fully recovered after being banished to the dark lands by Roberto Firmino. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, that was absolutely unbelievable. And then, and then, poor Juan Bissaka, When you have your center back next to you, that's Phil Jones. Like that sucks too. So, uh, not not something to look forward to. But I mean, Wait, was it Phil it. Jones who played in this game? Yeah, Phil's Phil Jones and McGuire uh, okay. center okay. backs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There but, you go then. 
I mean, one thing too, though, like from a from a United perspective, and and with how Burnley likes to play, is that it's super hard. It's really hard to break them down because they play so compact and they play that um, yeah counter attacking style. Yeah. So I kind of felt bad for Martial a little bit because other than Mata, the other the other two guys behind behind them were Daniel James and Pereira, and those two both are pretty awful in my opinion and then off the bench you had Jesse Lingard coming in to try to save the day so that's laugh out loud funny <laughs> yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. so kind of feel bad for Martial because I think if he had a guy like Rashford still behind him and then now that Mata's playing again and then now with Fernandez coming in that you'd actually be able to see you know the best out of him on a game in game out basis is that a done deal yet though I don't I haven't seen it I saw them being like heavily linked and that he's maybe he's gonna fly to Manchester I, I'm not really sure yeah, there's a lot again, of conflicting reports. Yeah, that's the thing is that I keep seeing that like, okay, they agreed to pay sixty, and now it's sixty, but now it's like, wait, that's actually not final. So you know, at this point, especially with the social the social media stuff, like you kind of just have to wait until you see him at the act, like see the the you know the interview Excellent. and yeah. see him actually holding the the jersey, yeah, the, the lean, point. as they say, the lean. Yeah, the lean. One yeah. thing I saw some United supporters tweeting about today though is that they. Some of them seemed a little concerned because Bruno Fernandez has been linked with pretty much every team in uh, you know the top half of Europe, and nobody like seriously seriously went for them went for him. Um, they're really the only team that went for him, and they're still paying whatever it is sixty million. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see if a lot of teams kind of backed off of him after seeing him this season. I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, another another person tweeted like. There's a picture of Jesse Lingard being brought into the game by Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. And it said zero goals, zero assists in 2019. And it was like tough competition for Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it can't get like, it can't get any worse than what they have. So, hey, fuck it. Might as well go in there and, and, and see what's up. But again, yeah, maybe, maybe this is what Lingard needs. Maybe Lingard just needs some competition, you know, and he's just going to unleash. And we're going to see the English Messi finally come back once Bruno Fernandez comes in. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but, but yeah, but 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 that's the thing though is that you talk to a United fan, they tell you that Mason Green was a, a generational talent. So yeah, the the, the, the competition sure that ended there really from quick. That yeah. ended really quick. Yeah, that's pretty quiet now. No one's really talking about that anymore. But I mean, just for, again, just from a United perspective in general, that I I kind of right now out of all the top six teams, I kind of think they're the biggest laughing stock right now because you look at like the last three years. They've been linked to like every single possible big name out there, and they haven't gotten one, not yeah. one. And right now, their biggest transfer in the last three years is going to be <laughs> Bruno Fernandez. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. They haven't. They, well, they were linked with Harry Maguire. They got him, but I don't think he was the big, big name. And he's clearly hasn't backed up that statement of most defense, uh, <laughs> expensive defender in the world. No. And same with Aaron Wan Bissaka. I mean, they have one hundred and thirty million dollars or one hundred thirty million pounds in their back line. And they're still giving up goals on a regular basis. So, um, no, yeah, but that's the only, that's the only way that they can get these guys is that they have to overpay for their true value, and then they have to pay these guys kind of absurd uh, wages too. I mean, you look at the look at the Man United wages, and then you look at like Liverpool's wages. Liverpool's highest uh, wage getter is Salah at 180k a week. United has like four or five guys getting over to over that. You that's, know what I mean? That's, with, with that's ridiculous. One of them being Martial. And it's just like okay, yeah. is he, is he making like two fifty? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, something something like that. It's it's crazy. Um, it's not good. But, hey, Ollie's at the wheel, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, let's let's get through these other score lines to round up the week. Um, Bournemouth 
at home to Brighton. We saw goals from Harry Wilson, our boy. Please come back to Liverpool. He'd be a great fit. Uh, Pascal Gross had an own goal. Callum Wilson had a goal. And Aaron Moy had a, a consolation goal for Brighton. But I was actually really, really surprised that, Bright, or that Bournemouth bounced back after having a crap having a ton of shitty results because this team is just destined for relegation. They're going to get blown up. Um, So it was good to see that they had uh, a little bit of heart left in them to win this game at home. Um, But again, they're bound for one place and one place only, and that's relegation. I agree. No, I I really good assessment for uh, unlucky game for Brighton. They've been playing really well as of late. I, I think they can shake this off and bounce back too. So, um, yeah, next game looks like uh, Aston Villa and Watford. Villa came away with a 2-1 victory. I was really surprised by that, especially with recent form, with Wat- Watford playing really, really well and Villa not so much. Um, Troy Deeney with the goal for Watford, and I think for Villa it was Louise and Mings. So, um, hey, shout-out to, uh, to Mings, by the way. A lot of people have been talking about, from an English perspective, what, their, what the back line is going to be, <clears> especially <throat> the center-back pairing for the Euros. I think Mings is really, really has his name in there and definitely should be considered among Gomez, Tumori, um, and, and Co. You know, they're looking at that spot, McGuire, you know, those guys, because he's having a hell of a season. He's playing really well for them. Um, so I, re- I would love to at least see him make the squad and, you know, get a shot. Yeah, I think he definitely makes a squad. I, I think it's Gomez and McGuire who start. I think they, I think they have to start McGuire, to be honest. I don't think they can – like, Tamori hasn't gotten a lot of time. Um, I, I just think Gomez and Maguire are their guys for sure. Yeah, and I also just think Gomez would actually fit well next to Maguire because um, I just think with their styles of play and Gomez just being a little bit more mobile that, you know, Maguire could be the ball winner and then, you know, Gomez can be the guy that actually does the running around and that sort of a thing. So that could actually work for them. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, and then the last game of the week. Actually, I think it's the second to last game of the week. Yeah, second to last game of the week. Uh, Palace were at home to Southampton. Again, I was surprised by this one. I mean, Palace are really tough to beat at home. You've seen City struggle there. You've seen Liverpool struggle there. I mean, a lot of teams struggle there. Um, but Southampton got uh, away with one. They won 2 nothing. Redmond got a goal. Armstrong got a goal. I mean, these guys have just really clicking. They're finding their form. They, they were in relegation early on in the season. Now they're up to ninth with 30 points. They're above Arsenal. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Yeah, three point three points out of fifth. Three points out of fifth. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that true? <laughs> yeah, they're 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 no, in ninth they have, place. They're they, in ninth place at thirty one. Oh points. yeah, you're right. They have thirty one points. That's unbelievable. I mean, unfortunately, they're going to lose to Liverpool next week. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, un- unbelievable by them. Like that that coach needs to get the bonuses going. He needs to get all the endorsements and everything. So, uh, and then lastly, Everton at home to Nuke. This was crazy game. <laughs> Dude, yeah, talk about another one that was absolutely crazy. I was, <laughs> I was seeing tweets on this that were from from Everton fans that were like, "I shut the game off uh, right at like ninety plus one, thinking that we had a two nothing win." And I turned it. I you know, I opened up my phone a half a half hour later to see we drew. I was like, <laughs> "Unfreaking believable, dude!" That's when you just discard your fandom for Everton. You just you just walk away. You just oh my clap god, clap your hands together, wipe the filth off, and just walk away. Yeah, it's too bad because going into that into extra time, it was like a really good a really good game for them. Like Moise Keane got on the score sheet. Calvert Lewer again having a great uh, season. Uh, having a great season. He's finally starting to show his colors and. 
I feel like he's been around for so long. He's only like 22 years old. You know? Yeah, just, so it's nice to see that he's uh, starting to come into his own. I don't know if it's nice um, to see. I mean, I, I hate the guy. He's, he's a little bitch. Well, I don't think – I think he's going <laughs> to he, he's gonna start outplaying his time at Everton and have to go somewhere else. So that's kind yeah, of what I'm hoping maybe. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, credit to Newcastle again. Like, they stayed in it until the end. And then for both goals to come in 90 plus four and then 90 plus five, Dude, that's absurd, man. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, Absolutely ridiculous. Like, you literally have to score, get the ball out of the net, sprint down the field, and then get the quick turnover and score. Like, you, like from Everton's perspective, like, like they, there should be an investigation done to see, okay, who, what Everton player bet on this game and threw this game at the end because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. It was, it was on, like, I saw, it, I saw it pop up on my ESPN app, and I was like, "What happened?" Yeah, yeah. Crazy. and we're at home too, which is crazy. But mm-hmm. all right, let's get into um, this weekend's games coming. Um, we are a little late in this podcast, so game week twenty five is coming up uh, February first, which is this weekend coming. Um, we're both going to tackle each game with our scores and predictions. Um, I'll go first. Leicester at home to Chelsea. I think that Leicester get a result at home against Chelsea. I think Chelsea are too inconsistent. I don't think they'll be able to deal with the speed of Vardy up top. Um, I mean, I think Madison will have a day as well. I, I, I think two to one. Yeah, this is going to be a tough game. I mean, before I jump into it, I'm just looking at all the games for next week, and this is going to be another one of those weeks where every single game could be a really good game. So I'm really excited. I'm, yeah, I'm, popping, awesome. my, I'm popping my butt on the couch all week and oh, all yeah. weekend and watching every single one of these games and gaining five pounds. But yeah, going, <laughs> into, going into this game, Leicester is at home, and Didi is going to be back. Vardy should be playing as well. And Didi, and Didi played today at the uh, FA Cup. Right. Yeah, so he played today, so he should be back. He should be playing. Um Oh, man, it's it's which Chelsea's going to show up? Is Kovacic yeah, going to play? That's the What's question. the story going to be? Um, you know, I'm I'm going to take a draw, one-one draw. Um, I just think with Leicester, Leicester's recent form and just Chelsea's uncertainty, it, it's going to be a really good back and forth game. It's really going to, it's really just going to come down to again, does Kovacic play, and then does does Chelsea play to the top of their level? I'm curious if Tammy's going to play because he got injured last game against Arsenal. That's something we forgot to mention in the uh, review of that one. Remember, he hurt his ankle and he had to be carried oh, off the field. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, so. I haven't checked on that. I don't know if he's going to be playing or not. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a tough one for them too. That'd be a huge, huge miss for them. Oh my god! I mean, he. We talked about it earlier, man. Like they, their their identity right now is just give the ball to Tammy and hope he scores. So take him out of there. And you're and you're a lot you're relying on Bashi like that's gonna be yeah Premier League Premier League saying that he has a fifty percent chance of playing so I mean yeah we'll see if they if they don't have him they have Bashi coming in and he's not the same guy yeah and at that point I would take I would take Leicester at that point yeah um, Bournemouth Aston Villa I'm gonna let you go first in this one yeah t- the toilet bowl in this game um... disagree. Ooh, okay. I mean, it's going to be an entertaining one for sure because oh, Bournemouth toilet bowl, like bottom of the table, bottom of the table. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, there's a lot of talent in this game, which is cool because you're gonna have you're gonna have a guy like Grealish being able to go up against that Bournemouth back line, and then just with Bournemouth finally having uh, you know Cal Wilson up there and uh, Frazier and now Harry Wilson and all this stuff. So I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be Bournemouth three, Villa two. Oh wow, interesting. Um, 
quick note here. Aston Villa has 25 points there in 16th. Bournemouth have 23 points there in 18th. If Aston Villa loses this game, they're back in relegation. Um, I, I guess it depends on how West Ham does too, but they could be back into the bottom of the table. Um, I think that Aston Villa has looked really good the past two games. They had that great result against um, – who was it against Watford, which yep. I mean, Watford have been on quite the role ever since Nigel Pearson came in. Yep. Um, and I think Bournemouth got a little, they had a great game against Brighton. Maybe they'll bounce back. Maybe they won't. But I think that the good results for Aston Villa, they, you know, they beat Leicester in the FA cup today. I think they keep it rolling. I'm going two to one Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. So next one, we got Crystal Palace at home hosting Sheffield. This is a this is a big game for both teams. Um, you know, uh, three points either way can can make a big difference in the in the season going forward, especially if it comes down to like head to head points and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I'm going to take Sheffield. I I just love the Sheffield's team, and I have like four of them on my fantasy team. So um, I I love Fleck in the midfield. I think that he's going to have a really good game. Um, if if they if Sheffield's able to quiet Zaha, I think that's going to get him over the line. I think it's going to be two to one Sheffield. Yeah, I think I think Sheffield go into Crystal Palace and they get a, they get a clean sheet. I think mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be one nothing. I think it's going to be I, I think it's going to be a boring game to be honest. I think it's going to be a tough one to watch. Um, Sheffield, it's going it's going to be scrappy. It's just two yep. scrappy teams going at mm-hmm. it, and that's what that's what's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few yellows in this game either. Uh, these teams are both these teams are pretty physical, so we'll see. Um, Liverpool at home to Southampton. I'm going Liverpool three, Southampton zero. We get back to the clean sheets. Um, I think we're just too much for Southampton. I think they've had a good run. But they're going to come up against a different animal. And uh, can Danny Ings play in this game? I don't. Can he? Yeah. No, he should be able to play because I think uh... did he play? Well, maybe he was hurt in the beginning. Uh, I don't remember. No, he should be able to play. I don't yeah, because they bought him from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's been bought at this point, so they should be able. To, he should be able to play, no problem. Um, I agree, it, uh, especially since it's at Anfield. I think uh, I think Liverpool will will beat them. I don't think it's going to be three nothing. I think it's going to be two nothing, but be pretty convincing. No money, um, though. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think it'll be two nothing, but pretty convincing. If money was in there, I'd say three four nothing. But uh, bonus pick for me as well. Uh, Liverpool's are going to scrape one out against uh, against West Ham in the replay one nothing. Oh yeah, that's that's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, now is that at West Ham? Uh, yeah, because yeah, we we had a tough uh, tough game against them last year there, and uh, there's a couple storylines about that. So it's at West West Ham. Oh okay. Um, if it's at West Ham, then yeah, I'll go. I still think we keep a clean sheet. I don't think they're that great. I mean, they're good on the counter with Antonio. But um, nah, they we get it done. It's, it's it'll be two nothing. Cool. Um, Newcastle at home to Norwich. I think this is actually gonna be a pretty cool game because Norwich likes to play. Um, I'm gonna go two two, two two draw, two two draw. All right, I'm t- I'm going two one Norwich. Um, uh, just again, they like to play football. Newcastle's kind of inconsistent. Newcastle is, is is now though a lot healthier than they were earlier in the season, uh, especially with Lascelles back there. He had a really good game. Um, Dude, they have thirty recent. points too. Newcastle has thirty points. Like, <laughs> holy shit! If they get a win, they're they could be in like eighth place. It's crazy. Holy shit! Holy shit, dude! That that blew my mind right there. But I'm still taking Norwich. Yeah, two to one. Uh, and I'll 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 say who I think is going to score later. Ooh. 
Um, Watford at home to Everton. Um, I think it's going to be another tough result for, for Watford and Everton. I think they both draw here, 1-1. One, one. Um, Watford are just pretty athletic in the midfield, and I don't know if Everton will be able to handle them. That's the, my only concern for Everton. Uh, you have DeCorey in there. I forget the other guy in the midfield with him, but, um, I mean, Delafeo on the up there on the wing. And Troy Dini, the physical presence on, in the back or uh, up top. I think, um, I mean, by the sounds of it, you would think I'm picking Watford, but I think that Everton might be able to scrape an away goal and uh, get the draw. I'm I'm actually going to take Watford. Um, I think that they're going to come out come out hot because they just lost the Tranmere in the FA Cup. I think they're going to be kind of pissed. They're going to come out to try to continue what they've been doing, and I also kind of think that they have kind of put an emphasis on trying to stay up. Um, and, and they did this draw, you know, they drew Tottenham coming off, coming off that draw, tough game against Villa. But, uh, again, I think Watford just with just being at home, I think that's going to be a really big thing for them. Uh, and I think they're going to be Everton one, nothing. Yeah. And, and they're back in relegation. So that'll be extra motivation. Yep. So. Um, next game, West Ham at home against Brighton, uh, Again, I think this will be pretty similar to like the Crystal Palace Sheffield game. It's going to be really uh, could be kind of boring. Um, just kind of a lot of battles in the midfield. Um, I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Yeah, I think it's going to be really boring to be honest. I mean, Brighton—they're more of a defensive side, you know, counterattacking, and I don't even think they're that great at the counter. But I'm only going to take West Ham because they're at home. I think Moyes gets it done at home. Um, great stadium, but uh, yeah, pretty boring. Um, Man United at home again. This time they're at Wolves. I think that United lose again. I, I have no faith in this squad. And Wolves looked really, really good against us. They always look good against the top competition. Um, this is a big game for them. And I, I think they go to Old Trafford and get a 2 nothing victory. I think Triore just runs all over Luke Shaw. If he's playing left back. Or if it's... Um, if it's Williams, uh, if, it's Brendan, if it's Brendan Williams, he's he's in trouble. Yeah, I may break him in half. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing. No, I'm just kidding. I would never wish. Really, <laughs> no, 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 no. I just hate not. his face, though. He's Everybody really hates ugly. Andy Robertson's face. This kid's face is the most punchable face in the world. Yeah, and, and, it, come, and it comes to a point. Just he just knows, has that like smug look on him, like he's just like a piece of shit. No, no, exactly. He just looks like the scum in the underneath your boot that you just want to scrape <laughs> off. And, Feed it to your dog to <laughs> shit out. You know what I mean? Uh, he's a really ugly dude. Wow, you thought I... you thought about this one? <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, he'd be. You know, he's like Peter Crouch. You know what I mean? Like when Peter Crouch was interviewed, they asked him like, Peter, like if you weren't a soccer player or if you weren't a football player, what would you be? And he said, a virgin. Yeah. and that's exactly what Williams. <laughs> my favorite, well. that's my favorite. Williams and Harry Maguire, they're both really ugly. Said so they they belong playing defense next to each other. But going back to his prediction. I would take Wolves if United didn't just lose at home. I know they're really, really bad, but I'm going to just take a 0-0 draw because I think that they're going to just want to sit back, get a point, cause especially no if they way. drop. Because if they, if they drop three to Wolves, all of a sudden, bam, they're tied with Wolves going forward. So I think if they, can, if they know that they can just keep them behind them, knowing that Chelsea's playing Leicester, they could drop points. Any Wait, no, if, they, if, they, if they lose to Wolves, their Wolves have 37, United have 34. Oh, so correct. Yeah, even even more so then. Um, because because United, if they if they come out of their shell and try to attack Wolves, Traore on the counterattack is going to absolutely crush them. Absolutely crush them. And I would like to think that Ollie knows that. And he's going to try and prevent that. 
Yeah, I just don't think that United's defense, even if they do pack it, I just don't think the United's defense can handle Wolf's speed. I mean, these guys, they are so fast. I mean, Liverpool, it was one of the first times all year that I thought Liverpool looked really tired towards the end of that game. Yep. They looked really, really tired. So, I mean, yep. it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how Nuno approaches this one. Mm-hmm. But um, Burnley at home to Arsenal. I think Arsenal gets it done. I think it's 3-1 Arsenal. Burnley, again, they, I mean, maybe they, they get a goal. Um, but I think Arsenal just have too much quality at the moment. I think Arteta is going to have a great plan to break down this Burnley defense. Um, and, you know, I've been impressed with Arsenal. They've looked good. Yeah, I think Arsenal's going to win too. But, again, Burnley at home, we, we, t- we talk about it's kind of like Sheffield at home, not a neat, not a – an easy uh, place to play, and especially now you you have you have the weeds on a red card, the Socrates injury. There, there's going to be a lot of questions on the back line. So I think Burnley, even though their style of play is kind of sitting back, I think there's going to be a couple opportunities for them to get a goal. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a close game because they're going to be tough to break down. So whew, I'll go Arsenal two, Burnley one. Hmm. I like it. Um, and finally, one, another game of the week here, Spurs at home to City. Um, I think City just have way too much quality for Spurs right now. I think Spurs are one of those teams that are in transition, like a Chelsea, like a United, like an Arsenal. Um, we'll see how Mourinho lines up against them. I think, we'll, I think we all know what's going to happen. I think he's just going to go with the low block, look for the counter. I mean, he does have the pace, and, United, or, uh, and City don't really have the defensive quality to keep up with that pace or defend that pace. Um, but I think City ultimately get the victory here. I'm going 3-2 City. Ooh, 3-2, pretty high scoring. Um, I think it'll be the opposite. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game uh, because of the same reasons, though, because Mourinho's going to park the bus. Uh, but I just think City has improved defensively with Laporte coming back and Otamendi being in there and Stones having options, um, having healthy outside backs for the, for the first time all season, too. So... It's going to be hard for Spurs to score, um, and obviously, but it's going to be tough for City to break it down. So I'm going to just say one one zero City. Wow, one zero City. Um, all right, well, let's just finish up with the excuse me the fantasy picks of the week and the bets of the week. Um, I remember my fantasy pick of the week last week. It was Trent Alexander Arnold. He did have an assist. He did have an assist. He didn't get the clean sheet, unfortunately, like I said he was going to. But he did have an assist. So that's another point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, I'm going to pick Ricardo Pereira, another right back, because I just love right backs. I used to play right back myself in college. Um, I think he's going to light up Chelsea. I think that uh, – I think I think Leicester could get a clean sheet here. I don't think it's going to happen, but they definitely could. Um, but I think – I guess it maybe it depends if Aspilicueta plays on the left or not. I think if Emerson's on the left, I think Pereira has a day. If Aspilicueta is on the left, I think Pereira won't have as big of a day. But I think mm-hmm. he definitely gets at least one assist here. Yeah, I like that pick actually. Um, last week I went with Vardy. He left her uh, injured after the um, before the first half even ended. Um, this week I love this matchup. We love the way they play. He's one of my favorite players to yell out. Pookie! Pookie! I think he's going to get on the score sheet again. He's been getting on as of late, a um, couple of PKs and stuff like that. But I just think with Newcastle being a little bit shaky, he's going to have a couple opportunities to put one in. Yeah, he seems to always have a couple opportunities every game. And uh, mm-hmm. how many goals does he have now? He's going to have like eight to ten. Uh, he's definitely in that range. Um, I think I want to say it might be seven. 
I want to say who? Oh, <laughs> uh, he has 11. Oh, he's 11. 11 and 3. Look yeah. at that. Interesting. Good for him. Yeah. Um, bet of the week. Uh, there was a couple I liked here. Uh, There's I a lot gonna, of good ones. I was going to take Norwich over Newcastle, but I I just I love the Watford pick. You know, they're plus 180 um, at home against Everton, and they have been playing pretty well. I know they've they slipped up and everything against Villa, but um, again, just Nigel Pearson at home with how they've played. I, I kind of question Everton's toughness sometimes, and Wofford can be a tough place to play when they're when they're on their game. So I'm going to take that Wofford plus 180 against um, straight up. Yeah, I like it, dude. Wofford's been a good bet recently. I, I mm-hmm. won some money on Wofford like three weeks ago. Mm. Nice little flex there. So who do you like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually really like Aston Villa. I think um, they're riding high right now. They have two great results back-to-back. They're going to the Carabao Cup final. And uh, they're going to ride that high. They're going to go into Bournemouth and they're going to get a result two to one, as I said earlier. Um, on the money line, Aston Villa is plus two forty. So you know your boys wow. going to bet on that one. Yeah. Damn. That. Yeah. Man, that's that's kind of sexy knowing that you know Bournemouth likes to give up goals. So that's uh, that's a, I like that. the over under is two and a half, which I think it's going to be mean, higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That might be one you hammer the over. Well, the under the under is plus one fifteen, which is two and yeah, like I said, two and a half. So. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, but uh, that's that's the episode, kids. Um, thanks for joining us. I know we were a little late this week. Uh, people have been busy, so it's been tough to round up the troops. But um, Stephen, any last words for you? Uh, hey, it's going to be an awesome week. Make sure you watch as many games as possible. Uh, you know, we appreciate all the support, and um, you know, R.I.P. Black Mamba. R.I.P. Black Mamba. Up the Reds. Uh, little hint here: we might be having a. Liverpool only podcast with the two of us and maybe some special guests, but uh, that might be around the corner. I'm Coming your host. Soon. I'm your host of the Footy Review, uh, Footy Weekly, Andrew Scanlon. Uh, join us next time and please give us five stars. Good night, everyone. <laughs>